Hello and welcome to 2022.9. This is the Home Assistant Podcast. Today, we're talking about automation UI overhaul, Bluetooth proxies, and Rohan's camera plans. That's me. <laughs> As usual, we have myself, Rohan, and we've got Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. This episode of the Home Assistant Podcast is brought to you by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and SP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Um, 2022.9? Take it away. That's right. That's right. It's here. September is here. Yeah. Um, So... I don't know. I know you weren't on the credit call the other day, Raham, but um, been traveling. But the and I don't know if you've even had a chance to install the beta yet. But this is no uh, a massive release for the UI editor um, in Home yeah. Assistant. Um, so I've got the beta running. I'm actually really impressed. They cleaned up the UI editor for automations massively. Um, mm-hmm. So now instead of I don't know if you've like you would have used the um, original, you know, editor there. You'd go yeah. in, um, it would just be like a, a wall of panels, right? You'd have uh, triggers, yeah. uh, conditions, then your actions. Um, especially if you're on a phone, and I, I find like you know, if I'm editing a, a UI, uh, an automation, um, or I'm you know doing a beta automation, I should say, you know, the ones that haven't moved up yeah. the YAML yet, um, and I'm editing it on my phone on the fly. I'd have no idea where like the triggers and the conditions sort of got separated. So I'd be, you know, going in, oh yeah, I'll change the trigger to, you know, this motion sensor instead. And I'd actually be changing a condition because I just didn't know where in the flow I was. Like it, it made yeah. no sense. Um, so now everything is sort of uh, collapsed uh, into itself. So, okay. you know, you, you'll go in and each trigger will be a collapse. And one of the great things they've done this time is, uh, is now the like a, you know how you've got the alias, I guess, um, if you're using yeah. YAML, you can create an alias of a trigger. Um, Home yeah. will now um, try and generate or tell you in a sentence what each trigger is doing. So let's say you've got, you know, uh, entity ID, you know, living room motion, when it goes mm-hmm. on. What that will do now in Home Assistant in the UI, it will say, all right, when there is motion in the living room um, as a trigger, and it will tell you like that as a sentence. So then you know exactly uh, what, each trigger is doing and you can then expand the particular trigger if you need to change it. Right. Um, and also conditions are similar, right? So Home Assistant will attempt to generate a, a one-liner uh, overview of what that condition does. So then it's like you can read an automation, right? So when living room motion is detected, um, then you go into conditions and Home Assistant in the UI will say, you know, time is between 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. Right. Um, and then the action is, you know, turn on the lights. Um, so... That is, um, like, I think it's one of the biggest changes to that automation editor they've had in a while, and it's going to make the uh, using it so much easier. For yeah, that's really nice. People. And, and it sounds like if you're, again, I'm one of those people that, like, you know, your brain shuts off for a second, you're like, oh, I should do this. And I might be, I don't know, not in front of my laptop all the time. Right. So I think that might be kind of important for, for that, especially. Yep. Uh, or that type of user, um, that, like you said, kind of does all the stuff on their cell phone or on their, on a tablet or some of like that. Again, you don't have to 
do all your stuff on there, just some of it, whatever. So, but that that's nice. That's really cool. Yeah. That's so, um, I, I, like, again, I'm not going to say that was very needed. I think, I think the automation editor was pretty good, but I, I think it did have some, uh, I don't want to call them flaws, but it did, it did have some drawbacks the way it was before. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I really think it's a, a great addition and good to see that the UI is getting some love, right? We've always, Mm-hmm. I'm since always copped some flack for being, you know, developer centric and the UI is poor and it's always just, yeah, good to see that the UI is getting a lot of focus and it does play into that whole, uh, make things easier, um, focus that they had this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of UI too, it sounds like they, they expanded the team a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, so I think we've been talking about mushroom cards. Yeah. Uh, for they're they're fantastic. Time. Like, yeah, they just all of a sudden came out of nowhere, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul, the creator of uh, Mushroom Cards, has joined Nabucasa, um, and we'll be working on the front end. So, uh, yeah, going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and, you know, hopefully hopefully there's some really cool stuff on the front end that comes in. Because, again, if, if for those of you that haven't used um, the Mushroom Cards plugin, it's really, really slick. And so everything is done in UI. Uh, you don't need any extra like YAML knowledge or anything like that yep. on the front end. Um, and there's a ton of flexibility in there. There's so many things you can do. So, um, and everything is nice and like everything's built into its own little card. And like, yeah, it's it's beautiful. So And so the Mushroom Cards, I think, are sometimes better than the default, like the Climate Card that comes with the Mushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, like more concise and powerful than just your the standard climate card right yeah yeah i know exactly so but that's really cool um all right sounds like also there's a weekly schedule which is kind of cool um so the schedule integration kind of brings in the ability to create a weekly schedule in home assistant that can basically make some kind of decision on your automation or script right so um Essentially, you go in, you go settings, devices, helpers, um, and then in there you can actually click and add a schedule. So, what kind of examples? Like, 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 what am I doing with those weekly? So, um, I guess it would be good. Schedules. So, you've got like your workday sensor, right? So, you could have a yeah. schedule like nine a.m. to five p.m. Monday to Friday. Yeah, um, I'm at work. Um, so then, you know, the house should be in this sort of mode, right? Um, yeah. Same thing, you know, maybe, you know, if you've got to take out the trash between, you know, 4 p.m. on a Sunday and, you know, you can put that in your schedule too, right? Right, right, um, right. So the, it's really cool, like, when you want to go in and create a schedule in the UI, uh, you basically get, like, uh, uh, columns of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you just click and drag the times that you want um, that schedule to apply for. Right. So, um, yeah, so you could have things like, you know, I only want my lights to turn on. Um, between 5 p.m. and 11 p.m. and put that as your schedule, right? And so then in your automations, it just becomes a binary sensor. Is the light schedule on? Yes, it is. Okay, I'm allowed to turn this light on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is, I think that's pretty neat. Well, I think that's a a pretty simple explanation, but I'm sure there's going to be some pretty crazy stuff that people can then uh, use those automations for or that new schedule for, right? Um, Like, yeah, I'm sure it will empower a lot of different use cases yeah yeah agreed agreed all right um z-wave has some updates i think we mentioned this a uh, couple of release episodes ago um so there's now the ability for uh, home assistant to push automatic updates to z-wave devices or firmware updates um so you can go into the z-wave control panel 
in-home assistant um, and it will actually alert you, hey, uh, this device has an update available um, and you can then click a button, in-home assistant, and that will get pushed out through the uh, Z-Wave network into that device. It does require that the manufacturer makes their firmware available to Z-Wave JS, which is the library home assistant uses for Z-Wave integrations. Right. Um, so, yeah. If they don't make it available to Z-Wave JS, it won't um, be available as a, an automatic update availability in Home Assistant. I wonder. I wonder what that entails. Like, are they just publishing it, and then Z-Wave JS can consume it, or is there a specific like package yeah, that so, they have to upstream to Z-Wave JS? Yeah. So at the moment, so there was a. We talked about this on the um, creators chat this week. Yeah. Um, so essentially, the request is that they upload it somewhere. Uh, to GitHub, so it's publicly available. But there is flexibility that, you know, if it's, you know, for example, I'm just going to use the brand AOTech because I know it's a Z-Wave uh, yeah. If AOTech decides, no, I'm not going to put it on GitHub, but we will uh, give you the bin files on uh, this, you know, Zendesk uh, URL, mm-hmm. there is the ability for uh, the Home Assistant or Z-Wave.js libraries to then point to that URL instead. So as long as the um, update file is in a publicly accessible area, you know, no logins, has to be literally just take me to the URL, download the file. Home Assistant should be able to uh, download the update. Right. So, okay, so there's some kind of script that goes in the background and just kind of... Yeah, it will require, like, um, ZWebJS to maintain a list of firmware versions and, you know, devices where it all points to. Sure. I guess they'll have, like, a manifest of some kind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Um, multi and remote adapter support for Bluetooth. Um, that one kind of speaks for itself. So you can have multiple Bluetooth, Bluetooth, uh, <laughs> <Blue> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty, actually that's pretty useful because Bluetooth is fairly limited in its range and again, mm. by design, right? So that's, uh, so what, what happens now when you're doing a bunch or you want to do things like presents? Right. So yeah, exactly. And I believe there's some um, stuff in the works. So the remote stuff, I think, can be using like an ESP device. Yeah. So you can have like an ESP device, you know, at the other end of the house, and it will act as if it's a local Bluetooth radio attached to your main home assistant instance. So therefore, um, yeah, you can have like proxies running around the house. So you know, if you've got a plant yeah. at the other end of the house, and it's only on Bluetooth, now you can use. Uh, Home Assistant to then and ESP devices to sort of extend that range. Yeah, which is which is amazing. Just because again, one of the things I mean for me as well, just personally, I'm running my stuff on Docker. Yep. Again, that's in a container. So again, it's like a pass through with a pass through with a pass through, yeah. right? Um, and and the machine I'm running it on only has two uh, USB ports, and I've got <laughs> my Zigbee stick, and now I have a Z-Wave stick in there. No more space for thing. Uh, no more space for Bluetooth unless I start doing things like uh, multi-port, uh, like like USB hubs or something. USB hubs or something. But problem there is all the stuff is running on two point four, so I'm I'm just stacking a bunch of mm. similar radios right next to each other, right? Which I'm trying not to do. I'm trying to spread out the uh, just distribute where my radios are. Like right now, yeah. it's my my my. This sounds really funny, but my. Uh, Zigbee, uh, sorry, my Z-Wave radio is actually plugged into the back of my keyboard, right? Just because I get enough enough uh, distance from my Zigbee radio, I just, I just don't want them right to be to be right next to each other. Yeah, right. If I can get a little bit of separation, and then the keyboard actually just gives me a little more length, 
uh, uh, between uh, where where the hubs are, right? So I can keep them separated a little bit. Have you heard or do you have in Canada USB extension cables? We have, but instead of getting that, my keyboard already had it, so I just decided <laughs> to do that. Fair um, enough. But yeah, no, it worked. It worked great. Um, I mean, I just, I literally just needed to have it plugged in, and I didn't really want to buy another cable. So, <laughs> yeah, totally get it. Um, so, Zigbee backup and restore and migration is now available from Home Assistant, so within Home Assistant. So you can now back up your Zigbee network um, for your devices plugged in mm-hmm. um, and then migrate that over to another Home Assistant instance. So this is going to be particularly useful if you have something like a Home Assistant Blue or uh, you may be already running a Zigbee network with Home Assistant and you're yeah. waiting for the Home Assistant Yellow to arrive when that does arrive, uh, you will then be able to easily migrate your Zigbee network from one home assistant instance and move it to the next. And then just take your unplug your stick and put it, uh, well, actually, no, it will be migrating your stick. So let's say you've got your Combi uh, Zigbee stick in mm-hmm. one in your home assistant blue, for example. You can then migrate your uh, network over to the embedded chip in the yellow. I believe that's how it's going to work. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought a lot of that stuff was just in the database file, right? Like, isn't there like a Zigbee.db or something yeah. like that? So it's it's interesting because I I also wanted to look at if I could change like from ZHA to Zigbee to MQTT, mm-hmm. but it is like going to so you can't go from like the home isn't flavor of Zigbee to Zigbee to MQTT. There's like a difference there, right? But you can migrate from one hardware to another um, sure. as long as you've got the same controller <laughs> software. So so basically that means that you're doing ZHA to ZHA in this case. Yes, um, yes. Could be between between different sticks or could be between different generations of uh, yeah, exactly. home assistant hardware or going from, again, in my case, Docker to Yellow tomorrow if I, if I yep. uh, go that way, whatever that might be. Exactly. That is really cool. Um yeah, because I think previously you had to go in and just reset every device and rejoin, repair, whatever, every device. It's right? an absolute nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and, and, and Phil, as someone that had to do that before, <laughs> um, I, I guess Several you're not times. a big fan. Yeah. 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 Every time I have to change my, even Z-Wave or ZP network, it's just going around, clicking buttons everywhere. It's, yeah, it's never fun. Yeah, that's that's always um, annoying. But you know, that's that is. Um, all right, processor and memory is now in the hardware tab. So if you have home assistant hardware or home assistant capable hardware, so for example, um, what's it called? Yellows, blues. Um, I believe it works with Raspberry Pis too. If you're running uh, home assistant OS, interesting, right? If if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, I might be very mistaken here. Um, but it's cool to see some of that information there too. Um, I know they were talking about populating that hardware tab a lot more with uh, more useful information. Um, I feel like, I wonder if this would be around in, I haven't seen this in the, I haven't seen the hardware tab in the, uh, in a Docker container version, but I'm not sure. I believe that comes with a supervisor because supervisors are underlying so, yeah. OS and, it pulls information from there. Oh, okay. I can't see it in, like I'm running a Docker version and I can't yeah. see it 
here at the moment. So it must, yeah. I mean, unless yeah. it's hiding from me right now as I'm scrounging around to find it. But yeah, I, I think it's only for if you're running like Home Assistant OS. Um, yeah. So not like a, a Docker sort of environment. Yeah, which makes sense because I'm not exposing anything from my hardware directly to Home yep. Assistant in this case, right? So it, it it would literally just be a blank, um, maybe a blank uh, box. So it's kind of pointless. Yeah. But now at least you've got, you know, if you are running a Home Assistant Yellow or Home Assistant OS, you can see, you know, graphs and when your CPU is spiking and memory usage. Um, I think it's limited to the last 30 minutes or something from memory. I can't. Right. Um, yeah, just so it doesn't overload the browser uh, memory. But, yeah, it, at least it gives you some trends on, you know, how your system's performing if you are running into issues. All right, yeah, so yeah. some new integrations. Uh, one that sort of um, I was surprised that I haven't heard of before. It's called BT Home, so bthome.io. and allows custom firmware for some Bluetooth devices. And this will now work with the Bluetooth Home Assistant integration. Um, so, yeah, it's. I think we've had a few people talking, and they're always on the forums. They've got those Xiaomi Aquara Bluetooth mm-hmm. humidity temperature sensors that have got in like an LCD display. Um, so, they apparently you can flash them with this custom BT Home uh, firmware, um, and then it will allow Home Assistant to then directly integrate those devices um, as opposed to needing, you know, a and a Xiaomi Bluetooth library. Um, there's a few other devices that are supported as well. Um, but, yeah, and it also allows you to create your own um, DIY BLE sensor as well. So I think there's a lot of, to come out from this integration, so it'll be interesting to see where we're going to go from here. Interesting. So, yeah, because I see I'm just on their website right now. So projects using BT Home or Home Assistant, that ATC, uh, Xiaomi, the Mi thermometer, Mm. Uh, and the B dash or B parasite um, soil and moisture sensor, right? Which uh, which I've actually looked at before. So that's actually kind of cool. One of the things that kind of turned me off from it at that time was uh, that the B parasite sensors are. Uh, it's just that it was in Zigbee. Yep. Bluetooth are a little bit. It'll be a little bit annoying to. Yeah, it's uh, just the range, integrate. especially if you want yeah. like something out in the garden, something right? Like yeah, but but between the remote, uh, the ability to have remote. Uh, Bluetooth sensors uh, now in Home Assistant and yep. and uh, this. I think that might be kind of cool. I mean, I'm guessing you you can't do both, but maybe you can. Oh, actually, no, you could because it's integrated natively, right? So it'll pull yeah. the Bluetooth stack in there. So, yeah, so I guess you can, which is Definitely. pretty neat. Um, all right. Next, um, Escaea, and I think that's how to pronounce it, E-S-C-E-A. Escaea? Yeah, I'm not sure. Escaea, Escaea. But it allows the monitoring and control of local fireplaces for that brand. Um, So they're manufactured in New Zealand and uh, sold in both Australia and New Zealand. So there you go, Phil. You'll be nice and warm in the winter. Yeah, so I've actually, I was surprised to see this is a brand I've looked at. um, Yeah. Because they do have like really nice fireplaces. And I knew that they had some sort of remote, like a, if it's not integrated with Home Assistant, I'm not going to bother with it, right? I don't have to hack RF protocols or yeah. wires. I think um, at the Home Assistant conference last year, there was a guy that like hacked his fireplace uh, live at the conference yeah. or something as a demo. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not that confident of burning. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I don't want to burn my house down, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so these are cool. Unfortunately for me, um, it's only the gas fireplaces that have the smart module that this can work with. Um, just personal mm. preference. I'm trying to move away from gas. Um, so yeah, 
but otherwise, yeah, if you do have one of those devices, you do need to plug it into a um, Ethernet jack. It doesn't support Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, so as long as your fireplace is connected through Ethernet, you should be able to then control it with Home Assistant. So interesting. I wonder. I wonder what why they would opt to do wired in. I guess because typically around fireplaces, you're you have like metal flashing and stuff, so maybe it acts as a barrier. I assume. So. I don't know if the fireplaces support Wi-Fi, and if they do, then it's just not enabled. Like you can't do it like as a security measure. Yeah. Or if it is, you know, they don't have Wi-Fi in them because of the, you know, as you said, like the metal housing, and they just. No, we're not going to put a Wi-Fi radio in it. But they do, mm. yeah, you, you must have a, an Ethernet jack plugged in to your fireplace to be able to control it with Home Assistant at this stage. Interesting, interesting. Okay. All right. Um, here's something that I uh, am glad to see. It's Fully Kiosk now has an official integration with Home Assistant. So I've got some Amazon Fire tablets that I haven't stuck back up on my wall, but yeah, I was using fully kiosk for a while and there was a yeah. home assistant community add-on um, created by Seagar Wood, I believe the username is. Um, so that is now, there's now an official integration. Uh, it's created by uh, the same author as the community mm-hmm. add-on. So it's now official. You don't have to install hacks to get it. It's properly in home assistant. Um, yeah. And so it should give you the same features, you know, be able to control uh, your device. I think it, adds entities into home assistant so you can you know turn the screen off turn it on um yeah great um pro, uh, if you've got you know android tablets and you're going to mount them as a control for home assistant then yeah fully recommend uh, fully awesome. browser. yeah yeah it, it's it's very popular um even in communities reddit like i mm. see it all the time all right the landison gear 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 uh, just a second and two for Gaia? two Geyer, G-Y-R, Landis plus G-Y-R, heat meter. Um, So that integration essentially allows you to read the meter from um, their ultra heat devices um, by that brand. So it's usually used for um, district heating, right? So um, that's pretty pretty handy. Hmm. Get some monitoring Uh, there. LED BLE. So Mm -hmm. this is an integration, it's a generic integration that will bring in um, multiple brands of Bluetooth low energy Mm-hmm. LED devices, um, and you can use them through the Bluetooth integration now. Um, so they, are, so there's a lot of names, and they include um, LED Net, um, BLE LED, LED BLE. Uh, there's Triones and LED Blue, um, and they've got a whole bunch of brands as well. So Happy Lighting, Zengi, um, Zengi maybe LED Blue. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch, so chances are, whatever. yeah, yeah. If you've got a, a Bluetooth bulb, you may get a, a, a little notification say, "Hey, we've discovered a new device around your house. Do you want to connect it up?" That's super cool. Um, all right, here's uh, three for three of stuff I can't pronounce. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pronounce it as Kingping, but it's Q I N G P I N G. Oh. I would have gone Quingping, but okay, yeah, I'll take it. I, I, I kind of like, like, like Kingpin, like, like Kingpin, like the yeah, bad yeah, guy, yeah. you know, uh, why not? <laughs> um, have a lot of fun with it. So, um, yeah, essentially it, it uh, integrates that brand of device into Home Assistant. So they've got, um, I guess, I'm just these are product names, but I guess mm. descriptive enough product names because that's what they do. Air monitor, light, alarm clocks, BT clock, uh, Bluetooth, I'm missing, uh, clock light, um, door window sensors, Lee guitars, thermal hygrometer, Motion uh, and ambient light sensors, temperature, um, and relative humidity sensors too. So that's cool. Again, a lot more, a lot more Bluetoothy kind of stuff coming in. A lot more, um, yeah, no, uh, 
monitoring, like air monitoring and quality, temperature, mm. humidity, that kind of stuff. So cool. I think the just bringing in Bluetooth as a first class citizen integration into home assistant is unlocking all yeah. these, you know, brands and types of devices that were just so like blocked to home assistant, right? Yeah. Well I think I think there's just been such a backup of of, of these devices, mm. right? Where uh now now that it has the ability to do Bluetooth. It's like great. Let's let's actually do that. So, uh, which is pretty nice. Because previously you had to get like if it was Bluetooth, you'd have to get a hub, and then the hub would talk to the cloud, or you know, wouldn't be you know totally. Yeah, but now that um, these devices can just like I'm guessing sniff the Bluetooth traffic and then create integration from it, um, makes it so much better. Uh, yeah. Wireless temperature sensors from Thermo Pro and Thermo Beacon. Uh, both Bluetooth-based are also available in Home Assistant. And Ryan, I'll give you the next one because I'm hoping you can pronounce this brand. Yeah, it's Yale. No, it's the Yale Access uh, Bluetooth uh, products uh, and now being brought in. And uh, it also includes, with that with that same integration, it includes some support for uh, August Smart Locks as well, So, um, which is pretty nice. So again, more a lot more love for Bluetooth here as well, So, which is uh, pretty sweet. So good to see that. All right, uh, some breaking changes, uh, mm-hmm. HomeKit. Um, so the PM 2.5, I don't even know what that measurement unit is. Uh, essentially... Micrograms um, per meters yeah, cubed, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, it's how it tells you like if the um, air quality is good or bad. They've made some changes to it. Um, it's now based on the United States Air Quality Index. Um, set by the uh, Environmental Protection Authority in the US. So, you know, I think it w- a home assistant will now say, you know, it's low, medium, moderate, um, based on different thresholds, mm-hmm. um, not the standard that was, or not the uh, scale that it was using before. So if you are using uh, air quality in your home through HomeKit um, and you are relying on, uh, you know, how good uh, the air quality is in a room, the values may slightly change or the, you know, what the, what home assistant is reporting the quality of the room is we might slightly vary in this release. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's for the sake of standardization, right? So that's nice. Yeah. Um, Roku. So Roku media player will now indicate idle instead of home uh, when you're at the home screen. So you can still detect it by, you can still detect that it's on the home screen by looking at the app ID attribute. But if you don't do that, just know that uh, that's what it shows. And the utility meter. So the utility meter Entities uh, mm-hmm. used to change tariffs have been removed. So you now need to move to the provided select entity instead. I I don't know much about, like I've the energy dashboard is still eluding me a little bit. I've got it reporting my energy. I I, um, I had it reporting how much money, like how much the cost in my house yeah. was that was working out well. That was via um, integration with my electricity company. I would be able to like get the current tariff from the API. Yeah. I don't know now is that like no longer supported. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to Interesting. do some digging around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I did also, uh, while I was playing with my energy dashboard last month, I'm just going to yeah. make a bit of a tangent here while, while I'm here. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I wanted to be able to do was, because I've got my, you know, my dishwasher, um, I've got with the power calc um, integration that we talked about um, like mm-hmm. last episode, um, is reporting, you know, how much cost, like how much energy my Philips Hue bulbs using. I've got the dishwasher washing machine. The energy dashboard doesn't tell you the cost associated with each device. So I can see, like, for example, today my house cost me $10 in electricity, right? Sure. Um, but I can't see that the dishwasher cost me $2 to run and, you know, the washing machine cost me $5 to run. Even so, though so it I, gives you a roll-up instead of a breakdown. Yeah, so I can see the whole house um, usage and I can see how much the whole house cost. Sure. But I can't see how much the individual devices cost, mm. even though... Home Assistant has the data there. Interesting. I wonder if that's just a, is that just a you thing? <laughs> it's just a meeting. Well, no, I thought so. Yeah. Um, and no, there is a, there's been some feature requests on the Home Assistant forum. So okay. I'm, to I'm hoping, that. hoping that, you know, uh, Home Assistant is going to do Hacktoberfest. And if I can encourage anyone to add that feature, that would be, I would very much appreciate it. I think your hope for Hacktoberfest is just uh, you're, you're going to get some choice words from Frank there. Just, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know Frank's got a love-hate relationship with Hacktoberfest because of all the yeah. extra pull requests that come through. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's my rant. Uh, I do hope to see, you know, the ability for Home Assistant to, um, you know, just report on the cost of, you know, individual devices. I think that would be a massive benefit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And as usual, there's a ZWebJS version bump too. So yeah, you'll need that just to um, do that firmware update stuff. So yeah, yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of the breaking changes. Oh, so let's bring us to the start of this. Oh no. <laughs> All right, uh, cloud strikes again. Um, yeah. So we've got actually got two. Um, so I'll start with the first one, uh, Smart Tap, um, yeah. which was acquired by Masco. Um, their REST API has been in maintenance uh, for a few months. So George um, emailed us feedback at HasPodcast.io with a heads up for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like, I think, were they a, a Kickstarter or something? I think I did a... I don't know. I, I... Like I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar with Smart Tap, like the 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 brand themselves, right? Mm. But it's again, it's it's that theme of they get acquired, and 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 this isn't just the small guys or anything like that. I mean, we've seen Google do this kind of crap yep. quite often too, right? Um, I mean, sure, maybe they handled it a little better um, and communicated that, hey, you know what? There's some Nest stuff happening, and you got to wait. And but again, typical Google fashion, it went back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just, just as they do with everything. Uh, but, but in this case, I mean, it, it sounds like they've been fairly unresponsive to the community as well. Uh, and, and I think, you know, when you're as big as a Google, you can, you can do that and still be somewhat successful when you're a smaller company. I don't know if that's, you know, the best idea. And, and, you know, in, in George's email, he, he kind of described that, Hey, these aren't cheap, mm. right? These devices are fairly expensive. And he bought his, uh, I believe not super, super long ago, right. Where, you know, you, you kind of want this device to last forever, right. And, or, or as long as it can until something physically goes wrong with it. Um, but this kind of thing is, I don't know, I, it's, 
I, I mean, as with, as with most other cloud strikes, again, things, it, it, it irks me quite a bit, but you know, just at, at least fine. If there's stuff that you're doing, you can build it in parallel and then transition yep. over, right? You don't, you don't have to, Hey, let me shut this down and then do everything. And, and again, maybe there's some stuff that we're doing that was related to cost or there was related to some of that, but, um, the you know, streamline in, in a way that it works for the users. The in maintenance, uh, does concern me. That's generally a sign of, Oh, we found a security flaw. We can't fix it. Let's just uh, pull it down so no one can uh, use it and you know yeah. hack their way into things, right? Um, and then it just becomes, oh, why should we fix it? It costs too much money. Just keep it in maintenance. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, anything is fixable with enough money thrown <laughs> at it, right? So always, yeah. Uh, but again, there's, and that's why that's why people have things like developer programs and and so on and so forth, right? So that you can actually start to do there's. There's a nice and easy standardized way of doing this, right? Like, um, you know, I, I think, especially with APIs and stuff like that, like there is, it's entirely possible to do that. It's just, you, you just need to do it. Yep. Um, and, and fine, that might mean you need to restructure it. You might need to do whatever, but you can transition into that, right? You don't have, it doesn't have to be, maybe that means it's a higher priority thing now because, Hey, this is costing us a lot of money. Fine. So let me prioritize my API development uh, over other things there, right? So, All right. And so should we play the music again for the second one? What are you, what are you uh, let's just jump into it. It's just depressing <laughs> at this point. Uh, uh, go for it. T- t- what, what's this one? Uh, so the smart dry laundry sensor is getting bricked. So Daniel Whitkin and the Home Assistant Facebook group uh, talked about that one as well. Uh, so, but luckily, at least there is somebody in the Home Assistant forums uh, mentioned using an ESP32 to gain local control of those devices. Ooh, nice. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But uh, you know, at least at least there's somewhat of an alternative here, right? But it, but I, but again, I feel like it's also a hack way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, you got to buy an ESP32, which the average consumer is not going to do. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I've already spent whatever on this. I don't want to spend more to have to keep it working. Yeah. Right. Back to my earlier point. So, yeah. Well, what, what, so it was just like a, it looks like a, it's just a power monitor as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't like you can just do that with any old power monitor and some home assistant templates. Check out my blog if you want to get some automations to do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's why need, why those things need to go through the cloud really. Um, frustrate me. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's a way of you plug your dryer or whatever into there. And then basically it's just, actually, I'm just looking at this right now. The, oh, now my phone alarm goes off naturally. Uh, <laughs> it's, so, so I'm looking at this uh, at their website right now. So it's connectedlifelabs.com. Um, and it's a, I don't know, I don't know how yours are, but it looks like it's a standard, like 120 volt, like three pin adapter. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but it's, aren't I don't think a lot of dryers four pin, maybe, depending on, I guess gas ones might not be, but, uh, I don't know. I, electric ones, I thought were, f- cause you have the, you have the dryer at, at least, at least here. Yeah. Uh, what, you have a dryer, outlet, sound, which is yeah. a four pin that you kind of like, click turn lock kind of thing right um but no uh, yeah seen that down here. i don't know but okay so maybe maybe this is a maybe that's me maybe i made that up but <laughs> regardless it it literally looks the same as a like a little belkin wemo mini 
Exactly. That's what right. it, like that's what, exactly what it looks like. You're right. Like that is a, a little Belkin Wemo Mini rebranded um, with a cloud dependent um, device on it. I think it the way they were able to get it with an ESP32 might be Bluetooth as well. I'm not sure. Maybe that's the different mm, thing I'm thinking of. Maybe, but, maybe. Um, oh, hang on. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. That'd be kind of like, why would you make that a Bluetooth device? Because it's like at that point, I need a hub. Yeah. To have, maybe I mean, how many dryers would I have at home? Well, because it seems like this is connecting through like a phone app. Um, and since it's compatible with the Amazon Echo, we are spending too much time on a yeah, uh, these people don't cloud device time. that yeah is going downhill. So yeah, yeah, don't buy it. Fix your crap, Get, people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to um, now. I want to bug you a little bit. So okay, uh, you sent me a message a couple of weeks ago now, probably just before yeah. we moved a week ago, but just before you went away. Um, you set up a camera finally. You know, I've been bugging you for I, I, like ages about like. It's, and it, it's happened, people. You can put it's down, fine. Put you down, put down the pitchforks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the camera brand, I think you got it from work, so I don't know how much you're allowed to talk about uh, hardware-wise. Um, but uh, what? tell me, I want to find out, like, so how have you gone about, I guess, like, one, how is it? Is it a POE camera? Is it, like, Wi-Fi? How you got power to it? Yeah. Um, so tell me. Everything. So, so yeah, so it is, it is a POE camera. Uh, these cameras are kind of cool. They're outdoor. They're, they're again, like, like, like you said, Phil, it's, uh, I'm, I try, I try and separate my work and, and, and podcast stuff and everything. Yeah. I'm not here to advertise uh, that stuff, but it's a POE camera. It's got a heater built in. Uh, so especially for the winters and stuff like that, it's kind of nice. It's got a um, heater built in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and essentially I have it plugged in and uh, through, and it's all done. That's all done through POE. Yep. Um, so that's on the outside of my garage and the inside of my garage, I've actually got a POE switch that, mm. uh, that powers it. Um, today that POE switch actually is run through a, um, a wireless bridge. So, um, I have an access, uh, I have a access point for those of you that are watching on video, uh, behind me in my closet. Uh, you can't really see it, but, uh, <laughs> it's behind I, tr- trust we'll, me, we'll trust it's di- <laughs> diagonally above me. Um, and, uh, the the uh, there's an access point in the garage as well, so that that basically works as a bridge to say, yep. hey, convert that wireless down to a wired connection. Um, I do have a I do have a fiber cable that I've bought that I want to run to that switch. Um, I just I just haven't uh, I, I don't have an SFP for it yet, so uh, yep. to plug the fiber cable in. So the SFP is the little module that you use uh, on the switch to plug it in. So, so I don't have that, but yeah. Uh, so you up there is Rohan up there in the crawl space, you know, running Ethernet cables to the camera outside, or did you have to get someone in to do that? No, I actually, I actually ended up having uh, getting lucky. So uh, the way my garage is structured, so the front of my garage, so this is just above my garage door. Mm. Um, so the front of my garage, uh, there's this like wood panel in front of it. Nice. Um, yep. up, sorry, just above it. And annoyingly, that actually goes right behind into a iron, uh, like a like a T-bar or I-bar or whatever they're called. Yep. Uh, which is which is a support for my double car garage door, right? So I drilled the wood. I'm like, well, let's see what's back here. <laughs> so drilled a hole into it. And next thing you know, I think I hit that, right? I, I, I hit the flashing, which I could drill through. That wasn't a problem. Yep. And then I hit the iron bar. Then just literally, I just fished around that bar because I looked on the side of it. And yep. uh, there's a gap. I'm like, great. I'll just run some fish tape through there. And then 
the rest of my garage is unfinished uh, on the inside. So, uh, I mean, right now the cable's just hanging there. Um, it's actually on my to-do today is uh, rather some of my wife's to-do today for me. It's to clean that up and uh, essentially just tack the tack the wire to uh, to the garage just so it looks a little bit nicer. Yep, yep. Uh, and then and and yeah, and it's just plugged into the switch there. So I just had to uh, I had to terminate the cable um, and then yeah. Nice. So a buddy of mine you... came over and we both just kind of just explored you know how to do this uh, together and we both did, we were like oh my god this is so simple just drill a hole pull it through run it to the side and yeah that's terminate awesome. the cables. Yeah, it's nice when uh, projects come like get work out that way. Yeah, uh, how have you gone integrating it with Home Assistant? Like, is it can you see the feed live? Is it is it like a standard RTSP stream that you can then hook up into Home Assistant? Or yeah, yeah, so I can. So um, I, I haven't done it with that camera yet. I've got a couple of my other like again, like I said, use this, these I do use these for work, yeah, uh, for testing and stuff like that. So uh, my other lab cameras that are literally just there are two of them right next to each other in my basement um, just so I can play with stuff, break it, whatever. So one is a fisheye camera and one is a standard um, just fixed lens. Uh, or so, Actually, it's a verifocal uh, lens camera. Mm. So I just have those next to each other again to play with. Um, those are in with RTSP. But some of the cool things is these cameras uh, do have some on analytics on built in on board. So they can do things like people detection on board. They can Ooh. do things like... Uh, Lux levels, like for light and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, and all of those come in through MQTT. So I, I actually do have those uh, talking in uh, to that. They also do things like siren detection and stuff like that. So all of that stuff comes in through MQTT. And I uh, essentially, so uh, there's there's a blog that a good friend of mine, Alex Berger, made uh, talking about, uh, you know, how to basically build all of the stuff in uh, using Node-RED. And so we we went through and and figured out, you know, how uh, MQTT device discovery works and stuff like or MQTT discovery works. Mm. Um, so at first we had a bunch of entities. Then we realized that, hey, bringing all this together, we can actually bring the entities into a into a device in, uh, in nice. uh, Home Assistant and how you can bring it all together. One of the things I would love to see, though, is because we're trying to do it programmatically. So where you add it to... The management uh, piece again, like I said, these are these are these are uh, meant for like not not for consumers. These are more meant for enterprise grade kind of cameras, mm. right? So there there's a management platform behind it. But so far, we're at the point where we add it, and literally, once you add a camera, all of the stuff it just shows up. That's uh, so cool. The one thing I can't do is RTSP because MQTT Discovery doesn't actually support an RTSP stream today uh, for cameras. Interesting. So, okay. um, I think, I think that's one of the things that both Alex and I are kind of like, Hey, we'd love to see that. Um, some of that. So, um, yeah, so that is, um, what I've done with those cameras and how we're, how we're bringing them in. Um, if there's so interest, again, shoot us at an email or feedback at uh, housepodcast.io and I could kind of dig deeper into that, but sorry. Yeah. So isn't, so you've, this, you've got, um, people, uh, uh, detection on the camera, like Lux levels, is there any like external things that you want to be able to do? Like you're going to bring like a, you're going to buy one of those uh, Google, what's that called? Frigate? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Devices. Uh, what's it under? The, the Coral. Yeah, um, Coral for, for the yeah. TPU, right? The tensor processing, yeah, exactly. you know, whatever it's called. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I don't, I don't know if, even if I did want to do a bunch of stuff. So, so backtrack a little bit. Mm. Those, those things do, those cameras do have TensorFlow built into it. Okay. 
uh, Centerfold Light in the cover under the covers, right? So I can I can go in and upload a custom CV model um, and do whatever. So that is pretty cool there. Um, so I don't I don't I haven't figured out if I actually need to do that yet. I mean, do I want to do that? Sure, but again, I've also you had a to, great yeah. track record of following through with stuff I said I'm going to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, now I can actually do some of those things, right? Uh, but even even if I did want to do something, again, like from an image processing perspective, um, I mean, uh, one of the things I, I <laughs> Phil still you know, gives me crap about is is doing detection for like FedEx or UPS or Canada Post or say, whoever. Yeah, can, can you upload a custom TensorFlow <laughs> to your camera for the FedEx logo? Just I can. To... I can actually do that, but, but nice. But I don't. I don't know if I would. I would probably do that off offline, like not on the camera. Mm. Um, just again, just because I I want to learn that piece, right? Because uploading anybody can upload the the custom CV uh, file to the camera. That's that's yep. easy enough. I I but for me, it's like I, I want to learn the process of it, which is why originally I wanted to do that, and I thought that'd be an interesting use case for me too. What would be so? Obviously, these are enterprise grade cameras. What would the use case in enterprise be for someone being able to upload like custom models to the cameras? Like, are there use cases for it? Like, is there like you know? Um, I'm just trying to think of a use case here off the top of my head. Like, could there be like a, a manufacturing company that would upload a um, you know when a machine's broken, it's smoke. You know, would they upload that sort of uh, potential into the camera? Like, is that why there's yeah, the ability? Um, that, so that that's actually a use case, but you know, kind of following that manufacturing theme as well. Depending on the, depending on what you upload, you can also pull in again. It's it's from in an enterprise world. This is business data, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so you can also pull in to say, hey, you know what? How does the uh, how how do certain things look um, when they come out from the manufacturing line? So potential oh, right. defect detection, things like yeah. that. So now it's how do I take a security camera that's effectively a dead investment until something happens. Yep. But how do I make that a little more productive? Um, so that, that that's kind of the that's kind of the idea. So again, in manufacturing lines or even outside, whatever that is, um, there's again, this is this is in no way meant to be a pitch. Again, I don't really care if you go out and buy these cameras or not. <laughs> Uh, I'm just fascinated, like how, because I'm surely, like, just you and me talking about this, right? I'm sure there's someone yeah. at home thinking, oh, well, if like they could use it in the enterprise world, like I've got a use case at home, right? Like it would be similar. I, absolutely, absolutely, right. And and there, there's a whole bunch of different things there where it's like, again, if you are doing certain things, uh, maybe it's a again, there's there's probably a more efficient ways to do this, but you know, I'm thinking. Great, you're 3D printing something, right? Yeah. And the 3D printer is done. I mean, maybe for whatever reason you don't have uh, Octopi or or whatever on there too, right? But or it's done, or it's stopped, or it's deformed, or whatever that is. Well, great, uploading a model might help you solve that. Depending again, it might be a, it might be something that you have to do like a repetitive task. Yep. Right. Um. So that it's the same thing that it sees over and over again, kind of thing. But you know, I I, I don't know what that looks like, but just example off the top of my head, right? Um. So but yeah. That's uh, that's what I does, and that's what I, that's what I did with that. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 at the end of the day, all, I, all I've done is mount it, mount it, and plug it in, <laughs> right? So, have you had any use cases for it though? Like at the moment, like if you, apart from just you know, obviously logging in and saying, "Oh yeah, I've got a camera there now, I can see the driveway." What have you got? Any like has it helped you in any way so far? Actually, it's it's, it's this is this is gross, but it's actually not me. So my my uh, my sales counterpart. I was actually talking to him uh, yesterday, just mm-hmm. by the, before the end of the day, and uh, and and he's got the same, and, and he's worked for this group uh, quite a bit longer than I have. So I actually backfilled his position. So he used to be an architect as well uh, before he went to the dark side. 
and uh, and uh, he so he's got a couple of these mounted in the front of his house, and his neighbor was like, "Hey, uh, what's going on?" Whatever. They look outside, and somebody there's a newspaper laid down on the uh, on his grass, right? And there's dog poop on it, and they're like, "This is like." Did they lay the did they lay the newspaper down and get the dog to poop on it? Like did what is going on? Like who is yeah, who who <laughs> did this? And uh so he reached out to, to my my sales counterpart. And and uh what what are the what are the things you could do as well as motion search, right? So I can I can I, like not, not obviously not in the home assistant, uh mm. not within home assistant, but in, in the actual uh, dashboard platform behind it. So uh he kind of searched that specific area to see, Hey, where, where do I see motion here on this day nice. between this time, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and you see this lady walk up with her dog, dog is standing, whatever she's holding <laughs> this newspaper full what? of poop, lays it down <laughs> and then just continues walking. And, and like, does the, does the second look, right? Be like, Oh, did, did anyone, did catch anyone me see this? me do that? What? And then walks away. I, I, I literally can't make this up. <laughs> this, I'll, I'll, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll show you the video offline, but just cause again, yeah. from a privacy perspective, I don't want yeah, to publish that, but it's, uh, it's the fun. This literally, he showed me this yesterday and I was, I was cracking up and, <laughs> but it, but it's, it's also just shows how inconsiderate some people are. I, I think she literally, I think the dog did this at some point and she was just oh, like, I don't want to carry this have anymore. A nearby. Yeah. Right. Like, and this guy's driveway or not driveway. This guy's like front lawn looks like a great place to do, yeah. put this down. Oh, um, so I, again, I know you asked me how this has solved my problem, but I, but it was just, <laughs> but so, so my sales guy just, just, just exported this video and went, dude, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this to you and just kind of gave it to him. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, from my perspective though, um, there, my next door neighbor actually, uh, somebody tried to steal her car at like four in the morning. Oh wow! And uh, it, it was one of those like where like they came over with a tablet, tried to tried to repeat the signal from her keys, and uh, try like they they actually were able to get the door unlocked. They just weren't able to get the uh, the car started. And some guy was walking his dog. He had to go to work early. Yeah, and uh, he was like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" Like, which mind you is super brave. Yeah, because uh, there's there was apparently there was four dudes there, right? Uh, and he was uh-huh. like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, get away from that car. Yeah. And, uh, they looked at him and they just kind of ignored him and kept going. Uh, and then, and then he called the police and the police came and, uh, and, and that's how they even found out all of this stuff happened. Right. So I always hear was, about like, you know, those signal repeaters. I'm like, nah, it's got to yeah. be another country. Can't be real. Right. But maybe yeah, it's yeah. right next door to me. And I was just like, yeah. wow. Okay. I, I can't <laughs> like, <laughs> And, and, and that's the thing, right? It can happen to anyone anywhere. Um, yeah. The, the, but the point here is, is this going to stop anything? No, but it might, it might help insurance. It might help something, right? Like it's, it's, um, both it's for also a deterrent, and, right? Just if someone sees a camera up in that corner, it, they're like, it, okay, maybe I'll go to another house. Might be yeah, easier to absolutely. Go to house. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it's a huge deterrent, right? So, um, and, and it helps uh, again, depending on where you live, it might help bring insurance rates down and stuff like mm. that too. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, like I said, it's, it, these are also cameras for my testing environment too. So it's, it's multi-purpose, right? So, yeah. um, yeah, but nice. enough about me. I know you said you got some new gadgets. 
I did. What's going on? Um, so we've had. We, I know. I'm sorry. Well, you've been busy, so I haven't had a chance to really <laughs> talk to you. Um, so we had Rose on. We've had. Um, we've just. I've seen everywhere these uh, Aquara um, mo- like human presence sensors. You know the yeah the radar ones, right? Um, yeah. I guess I don't, probably the closest analogy I can think of is mm-hmm, radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought like seven of these things. Um, there was like a an AliExpress wow. sale that I waited for, um, but I also got. Um, one of these standard, I'm sure everyone has, uh, my camera's not going to show it for people watching online, but um, it's a standard Xiaomi Aquara uh, Zigbee presence sensor. Um, okay. Because I've been complaining for ages, right, like how slow my Z-Wave motion sensors are, right? Yeah, I walk yeah. into a room, I walked out, or even the hallway, right, like walked halfway down the hallway, the time I'm out of the hallway, the lights are finally turned on. Yeah. Um. So, like, I think... Literally 24 hours since we started recording this, I stuck this thing up. So I've got one on sale. I'm like, I'm just going to test it, right? Um, so stuck it up right next to the Z-Wave one in the hallway. Um, and then I used the counter integration in Home Assistant. Um, and using the automation, I was able to then just have the one automation, uh, but it would trigger based on the Zigbee motion sensor and the Z-Wave motion sensor. And whichever one triggered first would increment the counter. So I could tell how many times the Z-Wave sensor triggered first and how many times the Zigbee sensor picked up motion first. Interesting. A little bit and of A-B testing, yeah. Exactly, exactly, right? Because I need to, like, am I going nuts? Is it just, yeah. you know, maybe it's something else, right? Um, but sure enough, so for 20, so the past 24 hours, the Zigbee sensor picked up motion first 21 times and the Z-Wave motion sensor only once. Um, so wow. I think, yeah. So that shows me just how much slower the Z-Wave motion sensor is um compared to it, the zigbee one is that is that does that have to do with like is it just like a protocol level delay like it, it actually just takes I, that long to to process yeah. it, it like well, like i don't know so because that's right this, i'm sure all these people have absolutely yeah z-wave right? motion sensors that act instantly right they've they've got it so i think it, it maybe it's a branding so the z-wave motion sensor got is like an aotech four in one it's probably ancient now right it's a big yeah. ball like they're years old um very old like probably the, one of the original z-wave protocols so it most likely um is has that to do with it it's also battery powered so i can see like as i'm walking down at the light it takes a few seconds for the light to flash to say it's detect motion <sighs> sure um, but maybe it's sensitivity issues but it is a common theme amongst all the, the rooms I've got. Like if I make them too sensitive, you know, then just the wind blowing and creating shadows can set things off. So, yeah, um, I mean the, the sensitivity part, I get right. But like, I don't know. I, I have a, I have a motion sensor, which again, it's a smart things motion sensor. Uh, yep. Zigbee first generation, I think of their motion sensors, right. They're like the big blocky cube ones. I got a bunch more of their newer ones after, but um, I think it's okay. One thing I got to say though is, just complete sidebar. The battery life on that thing is insane. I think I change mm. it once, maybe like every like I don't know, fifteen months or something like that. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them, I've, I've changed twice by the time I change this one once. Yep. Um, but even that is fairly instant, right? Like if I if I like if I'm looking and I've actually done this test where I've looked at Home Assistant on my on my cell, mm. a wave and it'll go off. Yep. Pretty much instantly, right? Uh, maybe like a very 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 tiny delay, but um, yeah, so that, that seems, and, and that is seven plus years old. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. 
Um, but the upshot is, uh, yeah, those, that little jammy sensor, it's so much smaller as well, um, physically smaller. Um, yeah, which is nice. I was annoyed at that. So there's actually two versions of this sensor. There's a new one out that uses two batteries, and apparently the battery life on that thing could last like five years, right? Um, but for whatever reason, I can only get the single battery model um, at the moment. So maybe I'll only get like one or two years battery life, which... That's still pretty okay. good. That's pretty good, right? For just a single button cell battery too. Um, oh, so, wow. Okay. That's yeah. actually really, like a 2032 or whatever. Yeah. something. I think maybe a bit yeah. bigger. It seems really um, like wide um, and chunky. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll take it. So yeah, that was my little A-B test result um, past 24 hours. So I think, yeah, that's sort of put the nail in the coffin for some of these Z-Wave sensors I've got around the house. So eventually I'll, I'll probably try and sell them and then, you know, just change over to these Zigbee motion sensors, like the, the Xiaomi, they're pretty yeah. standard. But coming back to the um, human presence sensors, um, they are amazing. Um, I think uh, it took me a little bit to sort of understand, you know, how it all works and, and position them right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's even I've got one in the bedroom and it's enough to pick up my uh, two-year-old daughter asleep in the bed Um you know, just her breathing um, yeah. knows that she's in the room. Um, so pretty impressed. Uh, I do have a, the only complaint I have is the cord length. So you have to, it is a, you can't, it's not battery powered. You have to plug it into USB power and gotcha. they don't give you, um, it's like a hardwired USB cord, right? So you've got to. Oh, so it's not a bring your own like USB-C that you can uh, no. get whatever no. length you feel like. No. So after like, you use yeah. some kind of an extension? Is that a. Yeah, but so then, and then the the issue is right. So you have got like uh, whatever length it is, like you know, zero point eight meters, um, zero point sure. eight meters of a, a cord, right? Um, yeah. But then you've got the USB A jack at the end of it. So then, right. if you're running the cord down a wall, you're going to have to then um, you have got the USB button. extension cable yeah. halfway there to meet it. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's that's the annoying thing. So I'll have to do some creative wiring around the the rooms for it, but. And some, you know, maybe some capping for like some cord cover tubes to hide the. Yeah, you're, you're going to be one of those people with USB ports on the ceiling of your of your house, and people, you yeah. got to sell the house. People are like, what the hell is this guy right. thinking? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's already yeah coming to that. Right? I like to power some blinds up there, and yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, may as well should, should do it. Um, but yeah, so that was my. I guess win my new gadgets, and yeah, I've got a whole bunch of Z-Wave dimmers I'm going to put around the house soon. So finally get some light automations happening. What uh, what dimmers that. did you get? So I went the um, Fabaro Z-Wave. Um, Fabaro, okay, yeah, yep, with um, some uh, momentary like push button switches. Mm-hmm. I, I got I, I uh, oh, interesting. I, the push button switches. I um, I got ones that can change icons on the switches. So now you can tell like what is the kitchen light, what is the TV, like what's the living room because it's got a little couch on the button. Yeah. Um, so is it, is it like a sticker that you just put on there or is it no, like an actual it's, um, screen? It's like a – because there's a LED behind it. So um, when you look at it, like you can actually just replace the actual physical – the plastic bit that you push. Um, yeah. This just comes with a standard, you know, uh, little hole that emits the blue light oh, out of okay, it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But now, I've, you know, these ones have got little pictograms on it. So, you know, like a knife cool. and fork for the kitchen. 
just, you know, adds a little bit of, yeah, just sorry. Yeah, that's cool. Whoever wired the switches up in this house has put the living room and the dining room at the complete, like, illogical opposite ends of where you would want them to be on the <laughs> on that little three-gang box. Um, so, yeah. yeah. When when I get the, my, uh, when I'm going to get that replaced, I'll get those switched around and now we'll know exactly what button does what. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, that's actually really cool. So you go in, you can just say, "Hey, this is the kitchen light. This is the." It prevents confusion, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember my dad. Like, even even in in their old place, there is you know a few switches, and everybody always flips. Like the we had a motion sensor light uh, outside, mm. and then and then uh, we had a just the inside hallway lights or whatever. It's yep. on the same gang, like in the two or three gang, whatever switch uh, switch box. Everybody would always hit the motion sensor light which then reset the stupid of course light. yeah and then so then you turn it back on and it turns the lights on but it won't turn the lights off until motion's been not detected out there so then you have to walk out there and well and then and then there's like a mode where it's like if you did it fast enough that it would it's like a hey stay on kind of thing right oh yeah and yeah. then so we'd had our nights our lights stay on like all night one time and my dad again it was like oh my god we spent so much money on these <laughs> lights whatever right and it, it's just annoying so you know, the result was let's go pull out the, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The print, the label maker and yeah, then yeah. stick these <laughs> ugly labels like hall light and like, like whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and even, even like in, in my grandparents' house when they were alive, it was the same thing. Like in their, in their apartment, it was, you know, ceiling light, ceiling fan, <laughs> like, like, like whatever. And the old ribbon, like the punch yeah, like, tape kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know what they're called, but. Yeah, I know exactly uh, what you mean. Yeah, but this is a much cleaner, nicer way of doing. It. I wonder. I wonder if there's like a, the ability to three D print or something your own like little plastic uh, cover thing for it. Right, that might be kind of cool. Probably. So you can get some I mean, custom ones. Yeah, that that would be uh, pretty handy. Actually, the only um, I guess it's all like down here, like the nanny state, right? So it's all it's a electrical device. So it probably would have to pass some sort of certification testing before I can put it on the wall. Um, yeah, which makes sense, which makes sense. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, yeah, you guys need an electrician for every everything. Yeah. Cuz it's all 240 volt. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sparky. So. Yeah, so, we need yeah. sparky. That's I've, it. I've learned I've learned. You, you, yep, you got the lingo. That's right. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> all right. Well, all I think right. that's going to be a wrap. Um yep. Thanks for tuning in and we'll uh, catch you guys in the next one. Cheers. All right. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.